1: And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub and the Bat Flip, episode 146. Going to continue our starting pitching preview from the previous week, talking ADP 16 through 30, or roughly 16 through 30. We'll talk more about that as we go on the show. But uh, get you going there. Get some longer uh, later round picks, which we skipped out on last week. We will guarantee you those will come at the end of this episode and much, much more. Before we get into that, I am on Twitter at BDEntrick. And my host is always on this wonderful endeavor on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Toby, how are we doing, my
2: friend? Doing well, Bubba. Um, I'm a little congested, so I apologize in advance for that. Um, but I started drafting fantasy baseball teams this week. So it's a really? it's a positive. Yeah. I I I am currently in a four-hour DC. Round eight. Somebody's burning up the clock. So It's draft season. It must be draft season when you've waited three hours for somebody to make a pick, you know?
1: Yeah, no, that's the downside. Like I, I hate and love the four hour clocks. We put it that way. I love it for us West coasters because it seems like every night when I go to bed, someone's just like letting the clock drain. So I know I'm going to wake up and it only affects me on the weekends because that's the time I try to get past like six in the morning. Um, and those will kind of get you once in a while but it's those other moments where you sit there and someone's on the clock for three and a half hours or so. And you're just like, "Ah, why did I do this? (laughs) So, Yeah.
2: I'm not complaining too much. I, I chose it. I knew what I was getting into. I wanted to take it slow, you know? Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think my next two DCs are probably going to be the quick ones, you know, the 55 second, the usual minute clock. Um, just to get used to being in kind of that draft room environment. This one's really about familiarizing myself with the, with the player pool a little bit more. And so it's been interesting. It's been interesting for sure.
1: And I'm sorry, you said it at the beginning. What round are you in right now?
2: A round eight. Round okay. eight. I have not made my eighth round pick yet, but well, I will say for those of you sitting on the edge of your seat, listening to this or watching on YouTube live, I did not go pocket aces. I didn't even draft a pitcher in the first round.
1: How many pitchers did you have by the end of round four? Oh,
2: well, that's not fair. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had asked, three. I had three. three. See, but let me go. tell you this. Let me tell you this, Bubba. <laughs> you let me tell you this. I went into this draft with no intention of drafting Garrett Cole at all. No intention. Freddie and- Freeman in the first round. Garrett Cole. It's like we belong together. You know, I, sh- I sent some people a gif of, um, Jules classic song. You were meant for me because <laughs> I feel that way with G- Garrett Cole. Sometimes I got him at pick 22. That's coming sad. back around, which is just wild to me. It's just wild. So yeah, I'm in a,
1: in a piece. I'm in a fifties. I'm in a am in, in a DC and an fc 50 right now. I'm an idiot doing those two formats at the same time. But, uh, I'm in a 50 and I had the third pick. I got Cole in the second round also. I was just, I was blown away. I'm like, how did he fall that far? Like, let's go. (laughs) Couldn't pass up on that. That's, that's a beautiful thing. so enjoy it while we can, because that is definitely not happening come March. Let's just put it that way. And um, I I look forward to maybe next week or something when you get farther in there, kind of, Seeing how you feel about things, how you, the the player pool, the flow, how things are going with uh, your first foray in the draft season. I've done a handful now, so we can kind of compare notes a bit from someone that's been a degenerate since November, and then you that you know showed discipline. So it'll be fun to see how that all plays out. Um, let's talk. Let's talk some more starting pitching. Since since you, you let in there, like you're a professional, Toby. You're a professional with the, with the the, the pitching I, talk, I and tried. we'll start off. And I'm going to let everybody, let everybody know that I'm going to reference ADP from the last two weeks. It's about nine drafts. But the 16 through 30 we're discussing is left over from last week's ADP. Otherwise, we would have missed some guys. So I'm going to say number 16 in reality. Kevin Gossman is um, not 16. He is doo, 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 He's uh, pitcher 21. He's around like 14 or 15 right now. He's moved up a bit. His current ADP is 56. And I think he's going to keep moving up, Toby, because a lot of people are talking about him, writing, podcasting, you name it, they're doing it. Um, And we've seen it for two straight years now. First year in Toronto last year, 174 innings after 192. The strikeouts have been great. Even lowered the walk walk rate last year. Ratios were up a bit, but not too bad. It's been back-to-back years of just pure Gossman greatness. It's been pretty crazy to watch. So what's your thoughts on Gossman in 2023? Because – to some, he's one of those guys, if you do wait on starting pitchers, it's a nice either SP1 or SP2 to certain people out there.
2: Um, yeah, I I definitely um, – I like Gaussman um, for sure. Um, you know, I think we're now – this is now three straight years, you know, that he's performed really well. Obviously, like a varying degree of really well. His profile from last year is really interesting because – you know, like like you mentioned, the walks dropped precipitously, right? A 4% walk rate, which feels a little not real. Um, the O swing was at 42.7%. And I say not real just because like what starting pitcher really maintains, especially like with this number of strikeouts that he gets, maintains that low of a walk rate. But it's an incredible walk rate. The swinging strike rate, 15% for three straight years as well. He was getting ahead of hitters last year. The end zone contact was a little bit worse than previous seasons, but still better than league average. But the walk rate was really the separator. I mean, before last year, his lowest walk rate, you know, in any season was 2.34. Last year it was 1.44. And while I'd love to believe that it's going to stay down at 3.9% and that 1.44 mark, I think it's going to go up a little bit um, from there. But I think there's also, you know, a little bit of belief in that strikeout rate with the swinging strike rate being so consistent. I think a lot of people are kind of focusing the analysis on the luck factors, which I think is certainly the case. The 363 BABIP seems, you know, uh, elevated. And I know that there's like different arguments have been made about whether that's okay. Maybe he's going to have an elevated BABIP or maybe he's not, but 363 is just not something that I think is sustainable year over year, you know, Um, but also the home runs per nine dropped to 0.77, you know, which is much lower than his career average, much lower than 2021, much lower than 20, 22 every year um, it's, it's much lower than that. And the ball was at obviously deadened. but I don't think we can count on that substantial of a jump. So the projections seem relatively, you know, reasonable um, for him with maybe like a little bit of give to the positive. Um, and so even with that being the case, he looks like a value according to the, to the spreadsheet uh, or my spreadsheet, um, you know, 50th best player, ADP of 58. The one thing I'll say, I haven't put this caveat out there for the spreadsheet is that as I say those things, don't like listen to the podcast, not that anybody would do this, but like, don't listen to the podcast and be like, okay. He was ranked player 50 on February 6th. And so I'm going to keep him in that spot. Like my spreadsheet that I'm talking about right now is based on draft champions SGP. So it's based on draft champions. So once I change it over to the main event or a high stakes league, like that's also going to impact, um, the value that players, uh, derive. And then I'm updating, um, the projections, all five of the projections that I use in my aggregate pro- projection, um, I'm updating them a couple of times a week and those will change. And as we get closer to this cha- season, those will change substantially. So just a note of caution, like I say this right now, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the case towards the end. They could be better. They could be worse. Um, which is all a very long way of saying that. I think Kevin Gaussman is a very nice, um, I think he's nice. And he's also a reflection of how like, you know, in the fantasy community, nothing gets by anybody anymore. Like, you know, people see that he was unlucky in some respects. And for that reason, um, yeah, they, they, they still like him, you know?
1: Yeah, they definitely do. And it was, it was funny because funny is the right word, but early, early, early draft season, he was coming at a bit of a discount. he has been creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. And he's starting to get to where he should be. Like you said, based on, you know, you look at all the projections and everything. And I think there's still maybe another layer to go. Cause I keep saying, eventually these pitchers are going to move up and that means they're all going to move up. It's not just like three guys move up. they all kind of will start taking spots farther up the draft board. So Gossman, I think will be one that definitely moves in that direction. Um, I am curious, and I'm not I'm not too worried about it at this point in time, but, you know, the wall changes in Toronto. We talked about back-to-back years watching his home runs to fly ball dropped. Does that kind of revert maybe back closer to one? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm not going to go too crazy with that, but it is something to kind of keep in the back of your mind when you think Toronto pitchers and that whole scenario because we don't know how it's going to play, but we can imagine if one could think. Um, next up on the list here at uh, SP17, but I will say in recent weeks, He's not the SP-17. Some of the guys we're going to talk about soon have passed him on this list. Oh. And that is Julio Urias. And it seems like every year he's kind of the ones that falls the other direction because I don't know if people just aren't like – I don't know what it is because 175 innings last year, 185 the year before, combined 37 wins in the last two years. He's pitched at least 31 starts in the last two years. Strikeouts went down a bit last year, but still not too bad. And it's just been elite ratios for his – Whole time pretty much in the bigs. It's uh three straight seasons in nineteen twenty-one and twenty two. If you take out the COVID year below three ERAs, um, you know, the X FIPs and stuff suggest they should be higher. That's that's undeniable. But the dude's getting it done and he's done it multiple years in a row. He's gonna be on a really good Dodgers team yet again. So the wins should be there. Uh it just I guess he's just not flashy or what it is that certain players we're gonna talk about are passing him up on the list. And Julio Rayas just keeps kind of falling and I've told myself already I need to stop thinking he's not flashy, but the dude just puts up numbers on a really good team, and the Dodgers know how to work with their starting pitchers. So that's another thing. Now the defense might be a little different behind him this year. That's been a plus for them uh, in years past. But I'm kind of surprised to see him continually like slow, slowly falling back in the ADP boards.
2: Yeah, it is. <clears throat> it is re- really interesting, you know, and I do think that it's a little bit of a reflection of how stat centric, you know, analysis is these days, in a in a lot of ways. And I include myself in that because I'm like, Oh, you know, he's done it now. Like, right. He's done this for an extended period of time. He's really good at limiting batted ball quality. So like, you know, you look at his infield fly ball rate, the last few years, 15%, 13.9%, 14.1%. You know, those are, those are automatic outs, you know, like maybe one of those falls for a hit every single season, you know? And so that, that's absolutely huge for him. Um, he's, uh, a flyball pitcher, you know, in a, in a time when it's good to be a fly ball pitcher. So there's a lot of things going, you know, kind of his, um, his way in some ways. So I was like, Oh, you want to know something? Maybe I'll be in on your IS this year. You know, maybe I'm going to do that. And well, I have such a hard time doing it. Um, yeah. because I'll tell you why. I mean, you dive into the numbers and you're just like, Oh, this is brutal, right? It's like, you know, all the usual stuff, the 229 Babbitt, the eight, 86.6% strand rate, right? You know, he did give up a decent chunk of homers last year as well. And his barrel rate was not super high, but 6.7%, 32 barrels he gave up last year. You know, you look at that Z contact though, you know, worse than league average. You look at the swinging strike rate at 11.1%, you know, nothing to write home about. The O swing, you know, he, he does not walk guys and you got to give him credit for that for sure the CSW isn't that good. 28.2%, you know? Um, but it's never really been that elite. And so I'm like, ah, but it doesn't matter because he's Julio Urias and he's good and he's got all those wins and he's pitching for the Dodgers, you know, like I'm going to be in on him. This is what I told myself. Right. And then I dive in a little bit deeper and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to his rolling average graphs. Cause I'm into that thing. Uh, and then I look at him and I'm like, okay, over his last 15, you know, he's got a, 24.3% strikeout rate, 5.9% uh walk rate, okay, that's fine. Uh, 10.4% swing strike rate, that kind of sucks. Uh O swing 35%, that's good. Z contact 86.6. Oh, uh, that's not great. Okay, let's see like as we got later on in the year, uh, he must have gotten better, right? And it's like, oh well. You know, about the same Z contact, O swing dipped a little bit, not much. K rate's about the same, but then the walk rate's up to 7.4%, you know, and the swinging strike rate's at 10.4%. And I'm like, eh, let's see, let's go down to five. And then it's like, ah, oh, now his K rate's down, you know, like at 23%, 7.6% or 6% walk rate. The swinging strike rate's under 10%, O swings at 32.4%. And then, so I'm just like, ah, oh, man, like it's really hard to, The guys get, you know, the skills were getting worse. I think his velo was also, his velo dropped. You know, he averaged in his last five games 92.4 miles per hour. And he was averaging as high as 94 miles per hour in mid-August in the previous five games. So it's like you have a velo dip, you have a skill dip. You got all these luck factors going in his favor. And it's like, it's really hard to grab, to draft this guy right here, you know? So after all of that, you know, I'm still back at the same place. The will, the thing that I will say is this, I think it's a velo factor. Last year, his velo was down. It's the second consecutive year it's been down. If he's, if his velo's up in spring, you know, I'll, I'll be in on him, I think. But at his current velo current skills, I just can't do it. Especially with the other guys going around this area.
1: Yeah, it's a problem I've had with him every year, and I told myself i have gonna. And I don't have as negative, I guess, a connotation against him as you have on this. I still haven't drafted him anywhere. Like as I'm going through my drafts, it's just the way my builds have gone. I haven't gone to him. Like I like Gossman. I like the guys going after him. I just kind of gravitate because I like strikeout guys, and that's been my biggest bugaboo with Urias is the the consistency of the strikeout department. And so that's why I haven't gone to him yet, even though I told myself it's like you can't predict wins. That is very true. But then again, when a guy's done this back-to-back seasons and he's kind of done it throughout his time with the Dodgers, it's a very important category too if you can kind of pencil in. Again, you can't predict wins, but say you pencil in 15. That's pretty nice. He's proven he can do that and more. So he's a very tough one for me. Like I want to be in on him. I'm not as opposed to him as you are. But again, I have not made a point to go draft him either. So it's a really – Really tough spot with Mr. Urias here, and I just have a hunch I'm going to end up with no Urias, and he's going to do it again. He's got like 19 wins, and like just he's going to somehow piece it together. And it's just going to be so frustrating, but that's the breaks. That's how it goes. And one of the guys that has been jumping him in drafts is one Christian Javier. Talk about helium! He has the helium. When you look at his ADP over the last couple of weeks here, it's up to 58. Um, it is a whole. Two picks ahead of Julio Urias now, but Christian Javier, he's the name. He's the main attraction. Almost 150 innings last year, uh, 25 starts in his 30 games. The strikeouts were outstanding. Still a little bit little bit of a walk thing, but not too bad. Ratios are very good. The guy's got filthy stuff, filthy stuff. And everyone's uh, – the helium's coming because everyone's thinking he's going to take even another step, you know, throwing another 25 to 30 innings, keep the elite strikeouts. Going to be on the, an awesome – Astros team like there's all these positives in here at the same time he's never gone that far so there's like there's kind of a yes and a no well like I love Christian Javier, I do but where the helium starting to push him it's getting harder because again there's guys going near him that have done it multiple times and it's like it's getting tricky he he could be the ceiling guy but I I don't know what your numbers are showing but I'm I like Javier more than Urias. I'll tell you that much. I just haven't uh, had a ton of him as his ADP continues to rise.
2: Yeah, the projections hate your uh, Javier. Um, I've got him as I got. I have him as negative <laughs> forty. Oh wow! Uh, he, he's going fifty ninth, and and he's ranked ninety ninth. But oh, he's got, like, I'll say I, RA, I think the projections are wrong on him. Um so I think I think there's a couple of things going on. Number one, he's got an incredibly low BABIP just like Urias at 2.28, but his career over 304 innings, not that that's big enough of a sample to figure it out, but is 2.23. So always keeps it, you know, really low. The strand rate is super high too, 83.6%. That's also his career mark through 304 innings. Um but then you look at kind of the skills and he's got the skills that Urias doesn't. Uh, 30, 13.8% swinging strike 24.3% K minus walk in zone contact at 80%. So, um, elite number right there, you know, he has struggled with walks throughout his career, but you know, it has it down at around three, which is very palatable 1.03 home run per nine. And then when you look at his, um, the reason why he has such a low BABIP, I mean, his ground ball to fly ball rate, is 0.46. So ground ball rate of 26% and fly ball rate of 56.9%. So when they're not going for homers, um, he's doing he's doing absolutely great. And he's the type of guy that can really benefit from the dead ball. You know, like previous home run per fly ball, 15.3, 14.2, now at 9.1 last year. You know, so if he's able to replicate that, I think it really hides like a lot of the warts that you might see. But I think the projections aren't going to factor that in. They're going to look at the Babbitt. They're going to look at the strand rate. You know, they're going to look at that um, home run per nine, and they're going to regress a lot of that. And, and say, this guy's good, but he's not as good necessarily as um, as people are drafting him to be. Um, that being said, I mean, it's clear why people are drafting him. Um, he got better as the season progressed last year. Um, it was really um, – let me just pull it up, pull up that rolling average. Graph. Even
1: the stat you won't see on there is that postseason start where he just was absolutely ridiculous in the World Series. Like we, were in, we were in F-pass, and everyone's like, well, there goes his ADP gone like it was impressive
2: yeah for sure well so 81.6 z contact over his last 10 games strikeout rate up to 32.5 percent um swinging strike you know actually right around 13.8 but the walks is what he got under control so 7.9 percent you know the second half of the season he, he for most of last season he was actually well below you know, his career average. Um, so really nice. And then the O swing up to 37.7. So I think that was a, that's a really key indicator for him, that O swing, because if he can keep it high, then it keeps that walk rate minimal. And I think that's like one of the the reasons, the things that can keep him out of trouble, um, because of the fly ball tendencies. So if he's walking guys and he's given up homers and fly balls, you know, that's when he runs into some problems, but so far he's been able to, um, avoid that a little bit. Um, if you look at uh, fastball usage, was declining over the same, same period of time. Uh, slider usage was up uh, to 308 percent, 30. so about five percent higher than it had been, you know, throughout the course of the year. And that's a really good uh, it's a really good pitch for him. Um, and I think one of the one of the criticisms may also be that he's kind of a two uh, two pitch guy in a lot of ways. I mean, he's throwing the curve and the change. They're both not very good pitches. He's throwing them, you know, 300 times out of what? Like 2 2500 pitches, you know, something like that. So, not very frequently. Um the 4 team fastball though, 13.3% swinging strike rate, which is fantastic. I mean, that's his fastball. 80.3% Z contact. So, that's phenomenal. The slider at 28.6% or, uh, excuse me, that's his O swing at 74.2% Z contact and 16.9 swinging strike. So not like dominant from a swinging strike perspective, but certainly, you know, a really good, um, pitch, especially when you can combine it with that, that four seamer. So that's all to say, I think Javier is really good. You know, is he worth is the juice worth is the is the juice worth the squeeze is the, is the juice worth the squeeze um to be determined but I can definitely see why people are interested in grabbing him um yeah. and getting him early and he's on the Astros they're going to win a lot of games they've got a great bullpen they've got you know good defense smart team so I, I see all those reasons why for sure
1: uh next up on the ADP list the 19th pitcher is Luis Castillo and he's on the climb as well, uh, current ADP is 58.3, like third of a pick behind Christian Javier. And you look at Castillo, we, it's pretty simple stuff. Once he left Cincinnati, his numbers just took another leap in the right direction. And we've all been waiting for it forever. He went to Seattle, for those that are sleeping under a rock. But um, when you look at just his numbers with the uh, the Mariners, it's it's pretty ridiculous. When 11 starts, he had a 317 ERA, 303 XFIP, which is – pretty good. Uh, Strikeouts were outstanding at uh, almost 29%. K to walk to almost 23%, if you want to get into it that way. He was just the dude we've been waiting for for a long time. The walks can still be an issue with Casty; That's his biggest problem, but you put him in that ballpark and um, any defense is pretty much going to be better than Cincinnati's defense, so that's a plus as well. You have nothing but gains here. The only thing I can concern with, and I like Castillo and I have him in a few places, is are we overestimating how great the move to Seattle is? Like, he's great, but is he a Cy Young-level ace, or is he better for like an SP2 in fantasy? That's the conundrum I have. So what do you thought on Luis Castillo?
2: Yeah, I'm tr- I'm trying to get there with him. Um, I don't know if I'm there quite yet. Yeah. Um so with castillo he is where is he he's hiding right now um oh my god where is he i should be able to see this there he is um he's he's a slight value he's like in that kind of gaussman area on my sheet um where he is i don't know why i'm having such a hard time finding his name he's he's Uh, Ranked 55th, and he's going 60th in terms of ADP for Castillo. Uh, The concerns I have that remain, and this may be absolutely ridiculous, but he does not, he has not traditionally pitched well in cold weather. He's gotten off to a slow start. Seattle is a pretty cold place to throw um, earlier on in the season. He's not going to have that same, um, he's not going to have the warm weather. He pitched really well during the summer, you know, so maybe this is just like a small sample fluke, but I feel like. Heading into last year, nobody was on him. He was going around pick one fifty or whatever it was because people were worried about how he pitched early on in the year and he was injured the earlier part of the year um and so got a thing I'm honestly I'm thinking about that like I'm trying to to figure that out um and then uh you know, I still worry a little bit. I know that his um fastball got better last year as the season progressed, but I just worry he's been so reliant um on that uh, changeup in the past um and actually that's really interesting his changeup actually was not as effective last year that's kind of fascinating his changeup only had a 12.9% swinging strike rate last year um as compared to 17.9%, 22.8%, 26.7% in previous seasons so that got less effective his forcing fastball got more effective with the 15.2% um, uh, swinging strike rate and the 73.4%. So I think that's why you see people being a little bit more interested and why, you know, I may be a little bit more interested, but, um, I still think like the metrics from last year were pretty similar, um, to pretty previous years, right? The O swing was actually down. The end zone contact was actually up. Overall contact rate was actually up. Swinging strike rate was down but the K minus walk rate was up to 19.8%. So maybe it's just that like 2021 was just such a bad year for him, um, which makes a ton of sense. But um, you know, his, his years kind of gone, how his Babbitt Babbitt's gone. And if you look at his whip, you know, it's always been problematic for him. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. I have not been able to go there quite yet. I can see the interest in the fastball being a lot better, although it's course, I'm just not sure if I put it all together and I feel good about getting him there. Like I would draft Javier first. I'd draft Gaussman before I draft him. Um, You know, and I'm just not sure that he distinguishes himself enough. I mean, even like, you know, Max Fried, I'd have probably above him. Zach Wheeler, I think I'd have above him as well. So there's a lot of guys I'd probably go ahead of him right now, which isn't to say that, that, that won't change, but that's kind of how I feel about him a little bit.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree with you completely. That's what's tough about him, Mike. I like a lot about Castillo, but you hit on a bunch of it where it feels like are we just over excited about him being out of Cincinnati where he's a lot like the same pitcher, which is great because it's what we've always said about Cincinnati, but is it enough to be in this range? That's what it comes down to for me. Uh, you mentioned Max Freed is the 20th pitcher off the board. He's kind of been falling a bit in ADP compared to some of these other guys. He's down to almost 67 right now, which I love. I've always been team Max Freed. Last year, 185 innings pitched most of his career. Um, never been a master strikeout guy, but it's been consistent year in and year out. The walk walk rate dropped again. Limits the hard contact, especially on fly balls, because everybody goes, oh, he's a fly ball pitcher, blah, blah, blah. He's still a 50% ground ball guy, too. Uh, and the ratios have been pretty darn outstanding for three straight seasons. So I love what Max Free does. He's a limiter of hard contact, which is great. He gets enough strikeouts to be very relevant. And he pitches deep into games when he pitches for a very good Braves team. So, I, I like Max Freed. He's like not flashy, like some people might. Like he's not a Christian Javier flashy, not even close. But in the end, he might have better numbers outside of strikeouts than Javier. You could probably say that. So, I, I like Freed quite a bit.
2: Yeah, um, agree in a lot of ways. I mean, he's essentially Julio Urias version two point um, in for a cheaper, lot of ways. Yes. You you look at the yeah yeah, slightly cheaper. You look at, you just look at the numbers. I mean, across the board, he's pretty similar. That high O swing Z contact doesn't really, you know, it's slightly worse than league average. Like Urias, the swinging strike rate slightly higher, but still 12%, nothing to like really write home a gap K minus walk rate is really buoyed by the lack of walks, you know, 4.4%, which is the lowest of his, his career, which matches the O swing. And, um, you know, the zone percentage did drop a, a decent amount. Um, so, um, and then he limits hard contact as well. Um, I know historically he's had a high ground ball rate. Yeah. did last year, never been under 50% for the ground ball rate. So not giving up a lot of, um, fly balls, not giving up a lot of hard contact. He's always been a really good guy at managing barrels. Yeah. 4%, 4.6% for his career, you know, so a little bit of a blip last year, but back to doing that. And that, that I think is a, is a skill that he possesses kind of like, um, Urias does. um, and so yeah, I think he's fine. I think there's limited limited uh I mean it's not like limited upside. I mean it's just limited Ks, right? Like I don't think he's like he threw 185 last year and at 170 Ks, but he's going to help out your whip. He's going to help out your ERA. He's good you should get a decent amount of wins on a really good team. So I can definitely see picking him up um for sure, but I, I you know, I definitely would want to wouldn't want him as my like ace, you know. Um, I wouldn't want him as my number one, number two, like pretty solid. Um, you know, but you know, me, like I'd I'd be much more into him as like a number three where I'm like, Oh, I've gotten two like really high strikeout good pitchers. And then I have freed who I know the ratios are going to be pretty good and the wins are going to be there. Like, I think that would be like a really nice kind of build, um, you know, starting off with like a hitter and then getting three pitchers. And one of them is max freed at the end. I mean, you could theoretically get like Nola Woodruff, max freed. That's um, which nice would be kind of good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a very nice start to, uh, balance things out
2: for you. Uh,
1: the 21st pitcher off the board and he's got an ADP right next to freeze at 66 is Alec Manoa. And he's a guy that you talk about projection sites hating. They do not like Alec Manoa compared to what we saw last year of 196 innings, quite the bump from one eleven. 11, got 16 wins, strikeouts dropped pretty, pretty big amount compared to almost a 5% cave percentage drop. Uh, Kato Walk, 16.4%. These aren't like elite numbers you'd expect from him. He's a bulldog. He's a workhorse if I want to, you know, put some sugar coating on it. But there's still, for me, a, some concerns with Manoa, a lot of fly balls. Um, yeah, he, he got it done last year, but I have such a hard time clicking that draft button when I see him, even though I know he's going to go out there and, and probably get it done more often than not. There just seems like there's a lot of holes for me with his profile, but I could be wrong. So what do you got on Manoa?
2: Uh, yeah, I feel the same way. He's a guy I'm not even touching where he's going right now. Um, you know, I think the difference being like, we don't have as long of a track ra- track record as Fried and Urias in terms of like limiting the BABIP and limiting the home runs so far, he's been really solid, you know, um, close to 300 plate appearances. So pretty similar to Javier. I can see, can see grabbing Javier. I really can't see grabbing Manoa. Um, you know, the Z contact, like everything was worse last year, Z contact, 86.4, worse than league average. O swing was solid at three to 34.7. So that's a definite benefit is keeping that walk right down, but swinging strike rate down to 11.2% K minus walk at 16.4%. I mean, league average is like 13%. so only slightly better than that. Fewer Ks than, um, innings pitched. I just, I just don't like, I'm not quite there and seeing it yet. And a lot of his value last year was buoyed by the um, by the win total, you know, 16 wins. And I just don't think with how well he's pitched that that is a number that he will continue to see unless he improves. So I'm not really interested in Manoa. He's one guy that just like based on how much he's going for, I'm I'm probably not going to have uh, any shares of him this year.
1: 100% with you on that one. The next guy up here at ADP, uh, or the 22nd pitcher off the board, ADP of like 72, though he's about six picks behind Freed and Manoa. And in my recent D.C., I was choosing between Manoa and Gallon, and I went and Zach Gallen. Um, again, maybe you want someone else completely than these two. These are the two I was debating from at my situation. And we saw Gallon throw 184 innings last year, outstanding 254 ERA, which is in line with his 19 and 20 seasons, um, obviously not the same sample size. Uh, we we know in 2021 he was a little banged up, but he also threw, like, m- more innings in the second half than any pitcher in baseball. As was a, a Ryan Bloomfield stat that kind of ran wild on Twitter for a while there. But the K rates have always been good. K to walk best in his career last year, which was really, really good to see. He did have that stretch that might skew his numbers where he had, like, 50-something innings of, like, shutout baseball. So that'll actually make things get better. But, hey, those count. Those count in the end. So I, I like Gallon. I think he brings a pretty good floor to the table, um, it just thinks it's Arizona. How many games are they going to win? But uh, I do like Gallon. I don't know about you.
0: When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com. That's n-o-o-m dot com to sign up for your trial today.
2: Yeah, I don't mind Gallon at all. He's another guy where the projections are are way lower on him than um than the skills. So he's at, he's going ADP around 70 in my in my spreadsheet at least. And um 108 is what he's ranked right now. And he's another guy that kind of beats um that beats the projections, um, you know, in terms of like outperforming his FIP and some of his ERA estimators. So again, those are generally the guys that struggle with projections. Um, I think the thing with gallon is, you know, he's always been successful when he's been healthy. Um, you know, when he struggled in 2021, you know, there was battles of, with his health. I think he got pretty lucky last year, just in terms of like, I I can't remember what it was, but I think he had what, like 40 straight shutout innings or something like that. You know, it's, it's, it's runs like that similar to Dylan cease last year, you know, where it's like, those things just don't happen. Like those are kind of aberrations, like regardless of how well you're pitching, um, things have to kind of go your way. You see that with the, you know, the super low BABIP and the, um, the high strand rate. Um, you know, although that's, that's kind of been a little bit of a, um, hallmark. Um, of his uh, career, but the 10.1% swinging strike rate, you know, slower than league average. The O-swing is better than league average. The Z-contact is worse than league average. You know, so that strikeout rate is like a there's a little bit of skepticism um, around that, um, from my perspective. Although, again, like he's a guy who just seems like he's a good pitcher. But I think I struggle because I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that means. You know, I don't know what that is. Like, just like somebody's a good pitcher, so he outperforms his metrics. Well you know, like, yeah, I mean, look, he got a 26.6% strikeout rate with a 9.1% swinging strike rate in 2021. So he's doing something well. He's he's being effective somewhere. Um, I think it's fine. He kind of falls into that, like, freed Urias category for me, where it's like, I don't have the skills to support it, but he's been good and consistent enough that I feel like um, I can help out a little, or I can I can look over that a little bit and kind of go with the track record. Um, and he's going further back. So as like an SP three, you know, maybe like a late SP two, I think that's fine. And like a 15 teamer, but yeah, I probably won't be in a ton on him, but I'd probably like to have like at least him on one team, you know? Um, and I think one thing that we forget because it used to be one of the best hitters park is that the Diamondbacks stadium is like one of the worst hitters park. It's like a great, yeah. Um, pitchers park because of that, because of the humidor. And so that certainly benefits it. And that the, the D backs, I think could be, I think they could be good. I think they've got a lot going for them. I think they have a really good coaching staff and they've got some young players who have been playing well. And I think they could put it together and surprise some people this year.
1: That would be fun. Cause that just means the giants would be farther down the NL West ranks. So that's always good. You um, Darvish. Now this is one that, you know, you look at his numbers, he's getting older, all these things so i get that part kind of makes sense he still threw 194 innings last year we talk about innings mattering that was tremendous the strikeout rate dropped a bit last year but still you know almost 26 over almost 21 k to walk that's four straight seasons over 20 that's what you're looking for in this game uh ratios were pretty solid again um it was just one of those years it just felt like a weird year with darvish but you think you darvish you know how good he is and i think he brings such a great floor to the table that when you see an an ADP of you know 74 and he's the 23rd starting pitcher off the board I, I have to always like double take you know what am I missing with you Darvish like there's got to be something I'm missing here because I know he's not that elite you know want to be so young guy we once saw in Texas and part of Chicago but I think he's still a really strong pitcher on a pretty good Padres team and outside of you know there are the injury concerns I'm not going to downplay that but we saw 190 plus innings last year and I'm assuming he's healthy going into this season. So I'm kind of curious by the ADP, but maybe you got something else on him.
2: Um, Yeah. So Darvish is like, he's a perfect value in the sense that he's right. He's going right at his ADP. Um, For me, there's like a zero difference between his ADP and his rank. Um, Like you mentioned, yeah, a little bit different of a pitcher than he has been in the past. 11.4% swinging strike rate, nothing to write home about. 33.6% O swing, um, is nice. He's been in the zone a lot more, uh, the last three years, like just all around the zone, his zone percentage, 48%, 46%, 48.1%. And this is a guy who has historically struggled, um, with too many walks. Um, and 4.7, 6.5, 4.8, the last three years. So he's found something when it comes to like, I don't know about command, but at least control, like he's around the zone a lot more. We saw last year, like you know, there was some skepticism in in terms of what that line that he had, just because the home runs were outrageous. The babbip over a course of a period was was outrageous. Although over the course of the whole year, it was okay. You know, last year he had a super low babbip. You know, a higher strand rate um, than he usually does, but um, that could also reflect the fact that he's gone from being you know maybe a little bit more ground ball heavy to being more. Fly ball heavy. And in two of the last three years, he's kept that home run per fly ball rate relatively low. Um, and those are the years that he's been successful. So um, yeah, I don't see why he can't continue to do what he's been doing. You know, he's playing for a good team. He should have opportunities when it comes to that. So um I, I have no problem with Darvish going where he's going, right around, you know, pick seventy-eight. Um, yeah, and
1: that's what yeah. when I see like where Darvish is going, and I see there's the Gallons and the Minoas of the world, and so they're going. I should probably just take you Darvish. It's probably where I should go in this scenario. And it's a, it's an interesting realm of uh, starting pitchers. It's why like the depth of starting pitchers everyone talks about. It's there. The they're not all aces, of course. Like you know, Toby will tell you what the pocket aces and everything. But there's a lot of really good pitchers here that are going. It felt feels like later than usual. Uh, Joe Musgrove being one of them. He's a 24th starting pitcher off the board with an ADP of about 79, about you know six picks after you, Darvish. And Musgrove's done it again, back-to-back 181 inning pitch seasons. It's three straight over 170, three straight full seasons. Another solid strikeout, to Walk season, the ratios were in line. Um, he's just been a very consistent guy that he's never really blown me away. That's why I've always had a tough time by getting on Musgrove, like getting on board with Musgrove but I can't deny that he continues to do it year in and year out. So I'm much more in line to take my chances this year. Like he says, it was an SP three or so. Um, I like what we're seeing from him, but what do you got on Joe Musgrove?
2: Yeah, I have a, you know, I, I was a Joe Musgrove fan for a while and now he's good and I can't stand him.
1: See, and um, I never was a Joe Musgrove fan. That's the thing. I was like, I could never see it. He's, now he's done it enough. I'm like, okay, I got to believe it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the skills are nothing to, I mean, it's the same profile that we've talked about for, for a while here. You know, it's like 11% swinging strike rate, higher, higher O swing, you know, 35.5% keeping the, um, walk rate, uh, really low. The Z contact is worse than league average. Like all these guys were talking about it. Um, you know, the K minus walk rate at 19.2% is fine, but it's not like, you know, it's not elite. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, 2.93 ERA, 1.08 whip, you know, about a strikeout per nine. Um, the BABIP isn't outrageously low or, or, or high. Um, strand rate is relatively reasonable, um, maybe a little bit high, so there's a little give there. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just perfectly mediocre and somehow turns it into a really good pitcher, um, which I don't know why I hate it, but I do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's probably because more people are coming on board now the, where you, you were the, kind of on
2: no i don't know it's just the it's the definition of bias where you're just like you look oh, at yeah. a guy and you're like fine this guy's fine but i don't know why but i just can't
1: yeah i'm just i'm just admitting my faults going okay i said i've been off forever he's been good i accept it um i'm okay with it if it falls to me type thing like i'm good with it i think he is a good pitcher i've accepted that so It is tricky, but this next guy, I've been Team Framber for a long time. Big-time Team Framber fan. I even drafted him a day before he got hurt a couple years ago. Like uh, This is just a dude I've always been a fan of. I love his ability to limit contact, uh, hard contact. Love his amazing ground ball rate. I love his ability to go deep into games. If you like quality start leagues, he's a G there. Um, He's an accumulator. I think we talked about an accumulator last episode, Toby but he was going like the third starting pitcher off the board. This guy is the 25th starting pitcher off the board with an ADP in the 80s right now. And his ratios were great. They might not always be like in the twos. It could be a low three, but he's rarely going to get crushed just by the way he pitches and the way he goes deep into games on an Astros team. That's just going to rack up wins. That's a beautiful thing. So like uh, he's a guy that why take Julio Rice? You can take Framber Valdez. Why take some of these other guys? I'm a big Framber fan. Um, maybe his metrics don't line out because of what he does. It's not flashy by any means. He just gets it done. So what's your thoughts on Fran Rivaldo's?
2: Yeah. Um, Framber's interesting, uh, for sure. I mean, really unique profile. The one thing I'll say is like, I think he's getting better. Um, you know, you look at the last 10 games, for instance, you know, the Z contact has never been great, right? He throws the sinker gets a lot of contact, but generates an insane amount of ground balls. The O swing has gotten better. And I think that's key. Similar to Javier. It's like that O swing getting up there is critical because his issue is walks, right? Like he walks a bunch of guys, even this past year, I think it was 8.5%. I don't have it in front of me, but like it, it's, it's, it's too high, but he just he gives up a lot of ground balls, gets a lot of double plays, doesn't give up home runs, you know? So that, I think that is a key The keeping the O swing up. Like if you can get that elite, 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 you know, like that would be just an insane combination um, right there. But, you know, over those last 10 games, he got the carrot up to 27%, is not a hallmark for him. The walk rate was down to 6.9%. You know, so you're looking at a 20% uh, K minus walk rate right there, um, which is really solid. And then the 13.1% swinging strike. And then so you couple that with the batted ball stuff that we all know um, and love about Framber, you know, where he's got a ground ball rate of 66.5%, which is just ridiculous. Um, And then, you know, he, um, last year with the, with the ball, the way it was, you know, he was able to keep that home run per fly ball reasonable, where it has never been in his, in his past, um, you know, 0.49 home runs per nine. I mean, he gives up a home run every three starts essentially, um, which is just wild. Um, so that's, that's, that's a recipe for really, really good stuff. And that's what we got last year from Framber you know, minus like the elite Ks, but, like you mentioned, he threw over 201 innings and then he won a lot of games. I mean, the thing about him though, last year, he's, he didn't really have any blowups. I remember, I think he set the record or tied the record for most quality consecutive quality starts. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, those aren't things that happen routinely. Right. And, and a lot of guys have that one or two start that just kind of adds another earned run or a half earned run to their ERA and they become the guy that they usually were but he's a guy who gave up six earned runs in one game this year. And then outside of that, and then six and four, you know, towards the end of the year, but everything else there was three, two, one, or zero. And I just think that, um, you know, I think he's really good. I think he's great. We'll see how the shift impacts him. I know some people are concerned about that, but the Astros are smart. They'll figure out a way um, to benefit him. And especially with like a, Whatever a sixty-five percent ground ball rate, you just throw your fourth out, your third outfielder in there, and and call yeah, it good. Exactly. So, I think he'll be okay. He's good. Um, yeah, I don't mind him at all, and he's on a on a winning team.
1: Yeah, big fan as well. Uh, Twenty-six pitcher off the board is a guy. I'm just going to make it quick and simple. I am not on this season. ADP of eighty-two, and that's Tyler Glass. Now it's nothing against Tyler Glass. Now it's just a matter of you know about a year and a half removed from TJ. Um, he hasn't thrown over. 88 innings since 2018 we through 111 i just don't know how much he's gonna give us like it might be a good 100 to 120 innings maybe maybe i don't even know if he goes that far because like he's still the kind of the future of this organization if things pan out it's just tough to see and he even came back last year and the velo was there but the control still wasn't and that's a that's a prototypical tommy john thing so i'm just out on a guy coming back from tj still at that point in time what about you
2: Um, yeah, I think I'm out. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to envision a team where I take glass now, just because of what you mentioned. I mean, he's been incredibly good when healthy, one of the best pitchers in the league, but that innings total is supremely low. There's injury risk like nobody's business. And it's just really hard to pick a guy like that in, in any format, right? In like a DC, you're like, ah, man, where am I going to get my innings from? you know i don't i can't go to the waiver wire and then if you do it in like a regular league you're like i mean what can i bet on plus, him for from an that. innings it really perspective worries. like you know it's just it's such a valuable such a valuable pick and i think the challenge right is that the projections love him um so the projections have him as like the oh they're not that much in love with him but 71st best out of 85 um and i think um, and the reason for that though, is that zips, which I've now incorporated has him met for 57.3 innings this year, which is nice. I mean, I think that's why you aggregate projections because that really brings, brings it down pretty precipitously, but you could very easily see him only throwing 57 mm-hmm. innings next year. I think those like one, even one forty-five seems unreasonable. I mean, that would be his career high. Yeah. By 33 four innings and it's certainly possible, but I don't think it's something you can necessarily bank on. So I think that's why it's important to like investigate a little bit more deeply on the the projections and why they have them where they are and see whether you agree with them, not especially for pitchers. Um, And so I'm, I'm with you that I'm, I'm off a, off a glass. And
1: for those that think, think you might be hating on glass. Now it's nothing against glass. Now it's just the innings aren't going to be there. That's my biggest thing. So it just makes me pass real quickly. Uh, 27th starting pitcher off the board with an ADP around 88 is sticks himself. Tristan McKenzie. Uh talk about another guy getting an innings bump. Went from 120 to 191 last year. That's quite a quite a well, he had a I guess 141 if you caught the minor leagues last year. So a 50 innings pitch bump. That's doable, I guess. But he also saw his strikeout rate drop a little bit. Nothing too crazy. Still 27 or 26%. He was very, very good. Not gonna deny that at all. Very, very good. Ratios are good. You know, the XFIP is almost a full run higher, though. So keep that in mind. When We look at Tristan McKenzie. He's just another one of those guys that that giant innings bump and everything concerns me a bit. Same time. Cleveland does know how to take care of pitchers. Like they know how to develop pitchers. I should say, which is like take care of develop two different things. They don't have to v- develop starting pitchers. I'm still not in at this price on Tristan McKenzie. I might be wrong. I know some smart people that are, um, I think I'm just going to go elsewhere.
2: Yeah. I haven't been interested in him either. I think last year was the year to, you know, to draft him. I think this yeah. year, Could be a little bit more bumpy. I mean, you know, uh, swinging strike rate at 13%, but the K rate, you know, at 25.6%, you know, is good. It's definitely solid. The walk rate at 5.9%. He's got a nice O swing, so he's keeping guys off bases. Um, Z contact right around league average, slightly worse. Um, you know, that K-minus walk rate at 19.7%. I think the question is like the Babip. I mean, the Babip's been low throughout his career. Again, 344 innings. He's an extreme flyball um guy. Uh so like close to 50% fly ball rate the for his career. He's at 48.5%. And so what I look at is like, um, there's that aspect of it and he gives up a really high barrel rate and he consistently has close to 10%. So last year he gave up 49 barrels and he gave up 25 home runs. So about 50%, you know, slightly off. You add in a f- few more home runs there, you know, to get him to around league average, maybe a little bit, you know, more uh it's just it's a it's a lot. The home run issues could be could be big, but he's also got room to give there, um, you know, from last year. So I could definitely see him in the kind of mid threes this year, once all of that stuff, um, regresses out. Um, so intriguing for sure, intriguing arm and he's still super young, so he could get better as well. But, um, for now I've, I've kind of steered clear and the projections don't like him, um, really all that much, uh, either. He's, yeah, he's a negative thirty-two. He's he's eighty-seventh in terms of ADP and one-sixteen for projections. So,
1: yeah, yep. I'm with you. Last year, you could have got him a heck of a discount compared to this year. So you're paying for you're paying for the success. Uh, George Kirby, twenty-eighth starting pitcher off the board, ADP around ninety-seven right now, and he's one of the the whole Seattle staff. Like I'm honestly surprised Robbie Ray doesn't go ahead of these guys just because of pedigree. He's coming up next, but you have Kirby, you have Ray, you have Gilbert. Gilbert, we will not talk about on this episode. But the thing with Kirby that kind of entices me a bit is we saw 155-ish innings, 56 innings last year between the minor leagues and the bigs. Uh, We saw really good ratios, even with the high BABIP in the bigs. We saw a 24.5% K rate, 4.1% walk rates, and over 20% K to walk. All outstanding stuff. Um, Just comes at a premium ADP. Like you're paying for this young guy that's – had a really good first campaign. Can you do it a second time? Maybe. Um, he's a tough one for me. Because, like, I, I, we'll talk about Ray. I'd almost rather take Ray for seeing it so many times. You can get Gilbert later. But it's nothing against Kirby. I just have a hard time clicking on Kirby's name when there's other guys close by. So what's your thoughts on George Kirby?
2: Yeah, you know, um, he's he's interesting. Um, you know, the strikeout stuff just, like, isn't there. But he managed to have a higher than league average. Strikeout rate at 24.5%. The swing strike rate at 97 is very low. In-zone contact, worse than league average at 853 And then you go to even his CSW is like 25.9%. So I don't know how he got that strikeout rate that he did. But he doesn't walk, guys. You know, the O swing is good. He's in the zone a lot. Um, and that's been kind of his calling card throughout his career. And the projections agree they have him. know, anywhere from 4.8 to 5.7% walk rates, um, which is super low. So the whip is, should be really good. I think the ERA would be good. You know, the, the innings is a little bit of a question mark, although I think, you know, there's a little, it's a little bit conservative from the projections. He threw 130, you know, last year for the Mariners. And then he threw how many in double a, he threw 156 total 26. Yeah. He threw 156 total and the projections are a little low on him, you know, um, if you look at it, you got like uh, zips at 136 or 137, 143, 50, 152, 152. I'd, I'd tend to lean towards that 152, if, if not even a little bit more. So I'd say I, would, I, I wouldn't think,
1: be surprised if it's like 170. I right? think it's an option. Yeah,
2: it's a little conservative. So, what I would do is maybe play around with it and see where that puts him because the projections right mm-hmm. now at where he's going um, really does not um, like Kirby. It's got him as the 151st best player. Um, and he's going 94th in terms of ADP, but I think that may be an innings pitched issue. So it'd be interesting to play around with that and see where he ends up. But, um, you know, the lack of strikeout stuff, uh, weighs on me a little bit. Let me just see, let me just dive in, um, to the rolling averages here just to see if there was any like hope of improvement, um, over the course of the season on some of those. Key strikeout metrics. So his his in-zone contact got worse. It was 88.4% over his last 10. Uh, K rate dropped down to 25% over his last 10. Swinging strike rate was down at 8.3. Walk rate up at 5.3. Yeah, I'm not honestly not seeing a ton um, despite me liking the guy. Um, Yeah, even the walk rate. Yeah, I I can't really see it. I I don't know if I can go there.
1: I love the idea of 170 plus innings. That gets my attention in a big way. But yeah, the overall profile is what concerns me with him. Is he was a very good pitcher? He's almost like a very efficient pitcher. That's what it felt like. He wasn't, and, and that was his first campaign. It's like did the he pitched a lot of innings. I I can't use the excuse to the league see him enough. But you know how you know they'll make adjustments to him. He's gonna make adjustments back. So that's kind of a. Interesting scenario to see how year two goes for him. Let's put it that way. Year two went good for his teammate, Logan Gilbert. So maybe he he does just fine. He's got Luis Castillo there, and he's got Robbie Ray, who is the 29th starting pitcher off the board with an ADP of 99, basically, three picks behind Kirby, And I am a Team Robbie Ray guy. Just like the walks are always a concern. That's never going to be out of the question with him. Ratios went up a a bit this past year, which you didn't expect what he did in 2021 to probably sustain. Let's be realistic there. But once again, an elite strikeout guy. Um, Cato walks, are even with the insane walk rate, not too shabby. Just a matter of can you limit the walks. like almost a one-two whip, not ideal. But again, he's not your by your SP two or three, probably three in a perfect world. And what I love about Robbie Ray is the innings, 189, 193. Uh, you, you know he's going to be a workhorse out there. So I guess I'll take that upside with him with the innings pitched and the strikeout stuff I know he has. Where, like you said, with Gilbert, we're kind of still – does he have the strikeout stuff? And that that's kind of the difference for me. You just got to pray the walk, stay in balance with Robbie Ray. So what about you?
2: Yeah, um, I'm kind of diving into what he did over the last little bit. It's really interesting. Like a lot of the skills dropped off, and it's because he – Started throwing a sinker. Um, he used to throw like sixty percent four seam fastballs and he dropped down to thirty 30%, percent about 30-30 for sinker and fastball. And I'm just wondering why would kind of what that, that <laughs> what's that? So why would you do that? Like why would you change that? That's interesting. Up? I'm trying to trying to see. I mean, maybe maybe the sinker is pretty good. I don't know. Let's see. The sinker eight point two percent. hmm, it's interesting. I mean the Mariners are a pretty smart team, but I don't fully I don't fully get why they would um, do that for him, but um yeah, I mean, it, you know, the one thing about Ray, the strikeouts, like you mentioned, you know, are really good. He's in a good ballpark for him, you know as pretty consistently a fly ball pitcher like 2021 was the absolute best you could have hoped for from him. And I think, you know, he's probably closer to the pitcher he was last year overall. And that's not bad. I mean, like you mentioned, the strikeouts, that's 212 strikeouts. So if you want to build in reverse, you know, maybe you get a, you know, a freed as your SP one and um, you know, uh, Urias is your SP one freed is your SP two. And then you get bring in a Robbie Ray you know, something like that, you know, to get the K's in that, in that way. And, you know, so there's different ways to do it, but um I could see certain situations where Ray Ray might be part of part of a build.
1: All right. The 30th starting pitcher off the board. This is another guy I'm having a tough time jumping on board with is Luis Severino ADP of 104. You know, he came back from injury last year, pitched 102 and he's pretty good, you know, three, eight, three, one, eight ERA, three, three, eight XFIP. Uh, strikeout rate of around almost 28%, K to walk over 20, things you love to see the whip of one, which was really nice to see. Um, We know how good he can be back in 17 and 18, over 190 innings both go-arounds, great ratios, great strikeouts. I guess for me what my biggest holdup is is how many innings do we get this year? Uh, Because he went 182, I don't see him jumping back to 190. Is it like a 150 thing, which would probably make sense. That could be good. I just don't know really what to expect. What do you got on Severino?
2: Yeah, yeah, pretty much that. I mean, I've got him as a negative twenty-seven guy, ADP of one hundred four, going one thirty-one um, in terms of his value. I think the big question, yeah, is is the innings pitched. You know, um, one hundred and two uh, last year, um, and he only threw ten in the minors. You know, so he was at like one twelve. So that's a little bit of a question. He had the lucky Babbitt at 237, which is much lower than his career average. He had the high strand rate. You know, the O-swing was fine, right around league average, slightly better. Z-contact was, you know, a little bit better than league average. K-walk minus was solid at 20.2, but swinging strike rate, 12.3. Um, still with some home run issues, you know. He's had a couple seasons where that's been an issue for him. Um Yeah, just with the innings, and I think he's a mid-threes guy. I just don't think there's as much upside as some of the other arms going even around this spot. Yeah,
1: 100% with you on that one. So that'll wrap up our top 30. Um, We'll go into some longer shot picks now. We have two each from ADP 200 to 300 and two post 300 each. So, um, Toby's I'm a big fan of Toby's by the way, in this 200 to 300 range, you'll find out shortly why. Uh, so why don't you start us off? Toby, with your first.
2: Yeah. Um, so the first one I have is Alex Cobb, um, of the giants. Um, and Cobb I have as 189th best player going at 222, um, right now. Um, you know, Cobb last year, the ERA was way higher um, than the ERA estimators generally throughout his career. He's been about in line with them, you know, more than a strikeout per inning. He had a really high BABIP at 336 and a really low strand rate at 68%. You know, even though, you know, the high whip, despite having, you know, for him, relatively solid walks per nine at 259 you know, he had 10.4% um, swinging strike, 17.1% K minus walk, 32% uh, O swing. So I just feel like Cobb was somebody where everything kind of went sideways last year. Like, like it just seemed like he pitched a lot better than the results would have indicated, and yet he was still a pretty good pitcher, right? If you draft a guy at 222 and he gives you a 3.73 ERA a 1 3 whip and more than a strikeout printing. I mean that's fine, right? And it's not going to crush you. It's not the best in the world, but it's fine and I feel like he's got some um he's got a little bit of better luck maybe headed his direction um sometime this year and I trust the Giants, you know, and their and their pitching staff um or their, you know, their um not pitching staff but their pitching pitching, pitching coaches and their, their knowledge of pitchers. And this is his year two. So I feel like he, I feel like it's a, I like that pick there.
1: Yeah. I like him a lot. That defense was atrocious behind him last year, watching so many games are just like frustrating. Uh, my first one here is going to be Patrick Sandoval coming in at an ADP of two fourteen. Um 148 innings last year, which was great to see that bump still produced a nice uh, 24% K rate. Problem was his walks. It's always been a problem with him as walks. So that's the conundrum to have with Patrick Sandoval. If he can somehow rein in the walks, that would be very, very nice with him. Uh, he limited the home runs, dropped like, uh, almost in half his home run to fly ball this past year. Um, like I said, just limit the walks. He gives you you know, innings almost every single start. Three runs or less in almost every start all the way back to July 29th last year. So he was giving you very good outings. He just had in that stretch, he had like four starts, he had over four walks. Uh, so it's uh, if you have a whip concern, don't take Patrick Sandoval. If you want to go on upside, the Irish Panda, as Nick Pollock would uh, call him, has pointed out some great things with his pitch mix, his swinging strike abilities. There's a lot to like with the skills of Patrick Sandoval. He's got like a Robbie Ray-esque feel to me where it's like walks all the people in the world when Robbie was with the D-backs back in the day. Um can he just figure out how to limit the cut him in half just cut him in half i'm not saying you got to be uh you know instead of being a 10 percent walk guy give me like six percent
2: it sounds violent cut him in half cut Cut him him
1: in in half half. the irish panda cut him in half but um so i'm gonna go patrick sandoval it's
2: definitely a risk reward pick
1: let's put it that way and in between 200 and 300 who's your next one
2: my next one may be a little bit controversial um uh it's uh it's Sean Manaya. Um he is ADP of two eighty-seven right now. Um his rank is two sixty-one, so that's like a plus twenty-six. Part of this is a belief, as I mentioned before, in the Giants pitching coaches and what that they've been able to get the best out of guys who don't necessarily have um the most talent in the world. It's also a positive just you know, playing in that ballpark. Um, I think, but again, Manaya was in a situation last where, where, where it just felt like everything was going sideways for him, you know, 1.65 home runs per nine, um, you know, well above where he had been, um, in previous, um, years. And again, with the dead end ball as well, you have him, you know, the swinging strike rate was solid at 12%. O swing was solid at 32.2. Z contact was solid at 83.9%. So, above league average across the board, there 15.8% K minus walk, 23.2, 7.5. He's always been a guy that manages to get, you know, um, not walk a lot of guys. His career walk rate is 6.2%. He had better walk metrics than a lot of his previous years. um, And yet he was still um, much higher uh, with walks. So, I think there's a little bit of positive regression due his way there. You know, he was still getting swings and misses, but a really low strand rate, that really high. Home runs per nine and it just felt like things happened in bunches for him mm. you know where it was just like you know eight hits in a row or okay. you know so he had like yeah he gave up eight earned runs in two straight start in, in uh two starts within six starts of each other he also had six earned runs within there so it was like just a situation where it felt like um variance played a role in how poorly he pitched. And now he's in a good environment, you know, where they've know, they're have they known to get the best out of pitchers. The skills actually aren't that bad. And so I feel like he could be a guy who returns to that kind of mid-threes ERA with a one-two whip um, with a strikeout, if not more, per inning. Um, and I feel like that's really good going in the late uh two hundreds there. And who knows, maybe they can they can coax something more out of him, um, get the best out of his stuff. So that's where I'm uh I'm going with on that one.
1: Yeah, I've been a little more in on Manaya, but it's just like you so when it's in bunches, it gets <laughs> it gets it gets it gets entertaining with Shine Manaya. Uh my next guy would be Jameson tyon ADP around 255. I'm really liking the move to Chicago outside of the Yankee Stadium. Threw 177 innings last year, the 391 ERA, 379 XFIP. Not the biggest strikeout guy, but still a 21% K rate, um, so not horrible. What I would like about him a lot is his whip's usually in line to be 1-2 or below, which is pretty strong at this point in the draft. Ratios should get you a sub-4 ERA, hopefully, or at least right around it. And one thing I like, as you get deeper in the draft, it's hard to find innings. And Tyon's going to throw a ton of innings as long as he stays healthy, especially for the for the Cubs. Not the greatest of teams, of course, but if he stays healthy, I'd say 175 is pretty reliable, if not much more. Like He could be a guy that takes a bump up to the 185, 190 range, which is very, very valuable. As you get later in these drafts, you so like in DCs and whatnot. So I, I like Tyon for that regard. Wins could be a problem in Chicago. You never know how that's going to work out, but he'll get you enough strikeouts to go with uh, some decent ratios and a ton of innings. And at pick 255, I'm a fan of that in in my DCs especially. What do you got post 300?
2: All right. Um, Post 300, a couple guys. Um, So uh, Braxton Garrett is the first one. Um, So Garrett was a guy that I liked a lot. Um, Last year, I had him on and off of um, quite a few teams. He actually doesn't show up as a positive in my spreadsheet. Um, He's at adp of 365 it says he's player 501 that's probably because they don't expect him um to start or at least some of the um uh projection systems don't have him to start let me just check roster resource
1: um, he's competing for the sixth spot
2: right now i believe
1: or, or the, the fifth, sixth, spot, with trevor, the fifth with, spot with trevor rogers yeah it was okay. trade with pablo he's, they he's picked... in competition yeah yeah player.
2: Maybe maybe that's it. So maybe he's like a terrible choice. I don't know. I thought no, he's, that he's, uh, I, mean, he's a I think great it was pick. that he no, when I he's a great maybe pick, they yeah. hadn't signed Quato or I hadn't realized the impact yeah. of Quato. But anyways, I'll go down the, the Braxton um Garrett hole. Um, anyways. Um so and I have to get back to him. So the reasons why I had Garrett as just kind of like a late round um flyer is there we go. So, um, last year, 17.7 K minus walk. Um, so really nice. He's got an elite O swing at 37%. So he's not walking guys. He cannot get swings and misses inside the zone. Um, but it's still 11.8% swinging strike rate, 24.1% K rate over 88 innings, 3.58 ERA, 1.25 whip more than a strikeout per nine. Um, and that was with a 321 BABIP. Although I think that that's probably there to stay, um, with him, but everything else was pretty reasonable um, you know, kept home runs relatively down, you know, 0. 0.92. Um, he's a sinker guy. The slider is really good. Um, and so I'm kind of surprised. I'll, I'd be surprised if he doesn't make it in there. I mean, the slider was yeah. the pitch that he threw the most last year and it had a 20.7% swinging strike rate and a 45.8% O swing, you know, so just a late elite numbers there. Um, and so, so maybe he's just like a guy who, I mean, maybe he's even going down, you know, in terms of his ADP. Um, I haven't looked recently, but he just seems like a guy who can, who will end up in that rotation in some way or another. He's young. He's got the skills. He's already shown them. He's already been good for half of a season. If he can do that for a full season at 150 innings, you know, I think then you're looking at a really um, valuable player there. So that's why I had Braxton Garrett there. Although, you obviously have to consider the fact that he may not be in the rotation to start the season.
1: I still would. Well, I'd still take him there. I think he's a great spot in for DCs because he's going to get his starts one way or another, and they're going to be, I think, pretty good starts. So I'm, I'm with you on the Braxton Garrett train. The fact that he's competing for a job is kind of comical, but I guess it's another way to limit his innings potentially. So uh, it's kind of a catch twenty two. But I think for a DC, he'll definitely have some run for you. Uh, Cal Quantrill is one of my guys at 334 if you've listened to my shows long enough I've always been team Cal Quantrill for anything I never was he doesn't strike guys out I know he doesn't so 17% K rate dropped last year from 20% it's dropped every year but what Quantrill does is he 186 innings throws a ton of innings 15 wins um, and he gets you great ratios like really really strong ratios for a guy getting drafted this late in drafts like a 1-2 ish whip um, you know Three and a half or less ERA potentially. And um, again, in 15 wins, you give me 10 or 11 wins at an ADP past 300. I'm in. Like, strikeouts aren't there. Build your team accordingly. Like, for a guy like Toby that might take Cole and someone else early, you can afford a guy like Quantrill later in a DC to help sustain your ratios and, and pick up some more wins. So, I love Quantrill for those regards. If he ever figured out how to get more strikeouts, that'd be amazing. Not sure that's the pitcher he is. He relies on a lot of called strikes. Um, but I think he's a very, very strong pitcher, especially in that Cleveland team that we've said before, takes care of their pitching staff very, very well. So, um, I'm, I'm a Quantrill guy at that price tag. Who's your next guy?
2: My next guy, um, Bailey Falter, who I just double checked is supposed to be the fifth starter for uh, the Phillies. So just making sure I'm not really, uh, messing up there. Um, so Falter, you know, he's on a good team with the Phillies. He pitched uh, pretty well last year and he improved as the pr- season progressed. 3.86 ERA, 1.21 whip, uh, 74 strikeouts in 84 innings, 11% swing strike rate, 31.4% O swing, 86% Z contact, 16.3% um, K minus walk. But I think what impressed me the most, he did give up a ton of homers, 1.71. Um, he made a pitch change, um, towards the middle of the year, I think when he went back into the rotation and he was much better after that fact. If I can pull up his rolling average graph here. Um, So over um, the last uh, five, um, so the Z contact was at 84.4%. So right around league average, Um, the O swing was um, elevated at 32.4%. Uh, strikeout rate was only at 21.8%, but the swinging strike rate was at 12.3%. So I think there's the possibility of a little bit more, um, from falter in the K department, if that uh, kind of maintains, and then his walk rate stayed super low. That's something that he's had consistently at 4.6%. So you throw that all together, that's over 17%, um, K minus walk rate at 12.3% swinging strike better than league average, um, O swing by a good little amount. And then in zone contact rate being better than league average as well. So I think, uh, you know, all around, very solid. He's on a good team um, that should put up some runs. So if he can get a little bit deeper in games than he did in previous seasons, then I think he could be um, a really nice pickup late in um, later in drafts, like in, in DCs um, to fill out that rotation.
1: Uh, For me, a guy that I've had circled in so many places is Brian Bale, uh, ADP 345 for the Boston Red Sox, big time prospect shaky start when he first came up last year but i will say when he returned august like he had a 471 era on the season but when he returned on august 24th 312 era 363 FIP, only one home run in his final eight starts 40 strikeouts and in 40 innings pitched uh 16 walks you know not ideal the walks are still an issue but strikeouts were there um kept the ball in the ballpark definitely improved the, the ratios as we mentioned uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of what this kid has. And more importantly, he's been seen working out with one Pedro Martinez this offseason to work on, like, a changeup and whatnot. So I, I don't know about you, Toby, but if you're going to learn from any certain pitchers about how to throw a changeup and manage a baseball game, Pedro might not be a bad one to, to learn from. So – uh and that's just, like, hearsay speculation. Like I've seen the videos, but who knows how that will translate. I just love what we saw because he came up big-time hype Got shelled. Went back to the minors for a few starts. Worked on a couple of things. Came back and he looks much more like a relaxed pitcher. And I think if the talent is as what we expected it to be, he's at least that pitcher. If not, maybe even better. Maybe he gets more comfortable up there. I could be overestimating it, but for a guy with an ADP of like three fifty ish, that could have another level to him. Like maybe he's okay. This is people be pissed. Maybe this is like this year's Tristan McKenzie. Like he takes that kind of a jump. I'm not saying for 190 innings by any means, but maybe all of a sudden he throws 140, 150, but he takes that ratio and strikeout jump. Like we see those things because he is that kind of talented arm. Maybe he takes a a Logan Gilbert type jump type thing where he could do that. I'm not saying he's going to, but you don't have to pay the price for that either. And that's why I'm a big fan of Brian Baio. Um, the Red Sox have nothing to lose to put him in the rotation. They're going to find a way to probably screw it up because they do have a lot of weird moving parts there with Whitlock and Tanner Houck and all these other things, but they've kind of said bullpen for those guys for now. We'll see. But uh, I like, I like the upside of Brian Bale where he's going. And as long as he can maybe work on limiting the walks, the strikeouts will be there. And if keep that ball, the fact that you have one home run and eight starts, that was in 40 innings pitched. That was a big, a big improvement for me. So I like Brian Bale. All right. Let's do a couple listener questions here and we'll head on out on episode one. 46 and uh we'll start with our good buddy Dave Petroziello here. Um last year was my my most wins unlucky year ever in fantasy baseball. Some of that was bad luck but also some of that was me having a lot of pitchers on not the best teams. Um and that pod with Rob Phil Toby and a host of other standings game points was brought up as it pertains to wins and the categories is tight and wins are very valuable. So is there more value in a guy like Kyle Wright, who I might not love at his price because I don't see more upside, but can probably be relied on to be solid and be a great candidate for 15 wins? So he's basically saying, is there upside in going for guys like win-targeted players is what it seems like here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think yes and no. I mean, I think it's always a benefit to get players that have a better chance of winning. I think that's the criticism of a lot of, um, just a lot of, a lot of the like maybe higher talented, but on very bad team type players. It's just hard to get consistent wins. Anybody who had Sandy two years ago, you know, kind of knows how that, um, how that feels in a lot of ways. So I do think it's a little bit of a boost, but, and the projections I think are maybe so, so at kind of incorporating that into it. Like I'm trying to find, um, I'm trying to find right. What's what's rights ADP here. I'll tell you, I got it right here. Um you yeah, know I not, not Wayne, right?
1: Uh 126.
2: Okay. Let me just find him here and see what see what I what I got on him. Um you said 126. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah, there There we go. Yeah, so the projections don't love him at all. Uh he's like a negative sixty-three. 118 ADP on my spreadsheet, um, 181, um, in terms of his value, let's see. And I know like Kyle Wright's just one example, but it's also like, you know, right. won 20 games last year, I think. So I think it's important to understand too, that like, you know, that's not going to happen on a consistent basis, um, for him. Like, even if he were to reproduce the same season, you know, it would not end up nearly as good. Like he wouldn't win 21 games, um, out of 30 starts. It's just not, not going to happen. Um, generally speaking. So, and then I think, um, yeah, so I know that right is just like kind of an example. So I don't know if he's a good example, but I think going after those players, like, I think if, if it's a tiebreaker, right. If you're looking at, um, Kyle, Wright And you're looking at Uh, Blake Snell, or who's a better example of somebody who's not going to win a lot of games. Um, Like Lodolo, you know, who I think is a bad example because I I think the projections do a bad job of him. But like, let's say you're looking at Wright and Lodolo and you're like, "Ah, I think they're pretty comparable players, which I don't think they are. But let's just say you think they're the comparable players. That might be a situation where you're like, oh, well, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to Wright. I think what you don't want to do is end up with a team where you know, all of your guys are from not very good teams because you do have to actually win the game to get a win. And so I think you do need to factor that in. So that's why I think, you know, again, like where it's like Burns versus Cole. It's like, well, I'm probably going to go Cole because I believe more in the wins. I believe more in the offense um, of of the Yankees, um, you know, and again, you just want to make sure that you don't have like all – bad players. Um, and I'm trying to think of like a good example. So you draft like Sandy and then you draft, um, you know, they're, they're, they're typically not all the good pitchers are on, relatively good teams yeah all the oh, yeah. uh oh, yeah you and I at
1: Paz um Rob Silver gave a, a good talk and in the end it was basically draft good players on good teams so this is what it came down to like the wins departments and stuff like that it correlates
2: <laughs> yeah if you're like Sandy and Zach Gowan, yeah. you know and then um Too bad teams, and then yes, and then Lodolo definitely. as your three you know I'd be a little bit nervous there right on the wins department um, for sure yeah, so I just think it's a matter of just kind of this is a terrible answer but like I think it's just a matter of not overloading your team with with pitchers on bad teams.
1: For sure. Uh next up here our buddy Joey G has a couple of questions. Reed Detmers or Edward Cabrera, who takes the next step forward? I'm going to lean Detmers because we saw a bit of a step forward last year in the right direction with the pitch mix change, but man, Edward's good. It's just can he stay in there? I'm going to go Detmers
2: yeah uh i'll lean detmers let me just let me just uh take a look here um hold on one second uh, i'm just gonna look at the rolling average graphs just because like you mentioned detmers did take a big step forward um towards yeah, the, the end of the last pitch year pitch
1: change was huge for him
2: yeah so detmers better than league average z contact 82.7 O swing at 35%, K rate at 24.9%, swinging strike at 13.8, walks at 8%. So a 16.9% K minus walk with above league average across the board stuff, you know. That's a pretty good that's a pretty good combination there um to look at and then Edward Cabrera was the other one we're looking at, is that yep. right? Uh, are walks an issue for him? Yeah, they are. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even think I need to look much deeper. Um, but I would say easily Detmers. I mean, with a walk rate, with the walk rates that Cabrera is pointing up, I wouldn't probably be anywhere near him because that takes a that takes a huge. So, just as an example, so his Z contact Edward Cabrera over his last ten was eighty three point nine percent. So worse than Detmers. 33% O-swing worse than Detmers. K-rate at 25.4%. That's right at Detmers, a little bit better. You know, swinging strike 12.7. K-rate at 10.2. So, yeah, I'd lean Detmers for sure. I think with Cabrera, like, especially on a bad team, I would I would stay away from guys who are walking a crap ton of guys. You know, and he may have had a good whip last year, Cabrera, at 1.07. That's because he had a 207 BABIP, you know. So, yeah, I would steer clear of anybody who's got a 10% walk rate as a starting pitcher, really. That includes uh, next, and Cease. No, just kidding. Yeah.
1: <laughs> his next question is does Barrios turn it around? Um this is a, a this is one I've talked about a little bit and it's tricky. Um what I'll say is 80 252, which is interesting. It was horrific last year. Absolutely horrific. It was like a bad dream over, a nightmare, one might say. K-rate dropped a ton. Um, there's a lot to be concerned about there. At the same time, he still threw 172 innings. And prior to that, 192, 200, 192, he was an innings-eating machine. Now am I saying he's going to be that guy? Not a chance. Not a chance, at least unless you know miracles happen. Is he as bad as he was last year? I don't think so. So your definition of turn it around is the question uh i think he'll be better than last year not sure we'll see the guy we've seen for a, a, quite a run there either i don't know about you
2: yeah it is a weird one right when guys just suck like that it was just horrific like there was there's probably a rhyme or reason
1: somewhere but you just look at it it's just like everything was bad like everything went bad
2: it was really and he, had a, he had a few just god-awful starts too and he had some um, good starts at home too it was really weird yeah i mean it seemed like that some of the signs were on on the wall earlier last year uh, the year before i think we talked about it on this show about how we weren't that into it yeah it's just so hard to see it um yeah yeah, worse than league average z contact Yeah, swing is fine but that k rate is so damn low and that's really something that he's struggled with a lot i mean even including in in you know 20 uh 21 a little bit. I mean, he didn't over the course of the full season, but the swinging strike rate was, you know, really low. Like it's all been down. I don't know. I, I just think it's hard to go after him at the same time. Like, you know, we've seen other pitchers who have responded to that and he's on the blue Jays. He still won 12 games last year. Exactly. You know, he which is wild deep, won the games. Yeah.
1: That's why I'm like, it's a little tweak and he's pretty viable <laughs> again at his ADP. It's, I can't trust it, but I could see the, the appeal if someone wants to roll the dice. Let's put it that way.
2: And, and one of the things that, that I think is important to think about is like, part of it is get it, picking the guys that really excel. And part of them is not getting the guys who absolutely suck. And it's like, yeah. okay, look back at Berrios, even when he was elite, elite, like he wasn't winning you leagues, you know, True. or like when he was at his top, he wasn't like a strikeout machine. He didn't have the best ratios in the world. He was super solid. You know, and so it's kind of like, well, if I have any inkling that 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 same guy that struggled last year may come back, then just steer clear because he's not going to win you the league next year. You know, like drafting him at 265 is not going to win you the league, but it could lose you it for sure.
1: Yeah, that's a, a tricky part with him for sure. Uh, his third question, does Dre Jamison get 25 starts for Arizona? I'll preface this for Joe here that between AAA and the bigs last year, he had 25 starts Right now, he's projected to start in AAA again as Ryan Nelson has the fifth spot. I'm imagining they battle it out in spring training. I love Dre Jamison. I love what we saw from Dre Jamison last year. I just don't know what the D-backs want to do with him because you have Zach Davies in the mix. You still have Mad Bum in the way. Um, I think they want to give Ryan Nelson some run there. Dre will get his chances. I don't know if he gets to 25, though, because the elite pitchers just get to, like, 30 to 32. So 25 is almost a full-time starter. And I don't think that's going to be Dre this year, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, you know, um, I think he was fine last year. You know, the O swing was the worst than league average. Z contact right around league average. Swinging strike at 11.4%. The K-walk minus at 17.3% is good. But, you know, you got to, like, ask yourself over a 24-inning sample, like whether that's really the metric that you want to be looking at. The skills don't look all that great. 95.2% strand rate. That's why the ERA was so low. You know, um, I do remember some people talking fondly of his pitch mix though a little bit. Yeah. So the slider, 92 sliders thrown, 23.9% swinging strike, 76.7% in zone contact, 47.6% O swing. So that's absolutely phenomenal. So something like that, like, you know, yeah, you take a shot at him, but I don't know if he's going to pitch that much. I mean, that's the thing is like your guess is as good as mine. Probably not.
1: Yeah. I'm going to lean on the under on that one. Uh little book of calm has a question for us. He says kind of an odd question. He always has good strategy questions. to throw us out there for him. Um, kind of an odd question that might not be that good. Ha ha. Without naming specific starting pitchers, what does your ideal drafted rotation look like? Example two elite K to K plus ratio guys two high volume, High floor starting pitcher, three late darts with upside, and a couple of reserve six starters with good early matchup types. Like, so how do you how do you envision filling out your rotations? What he's asking, and mine varies as I go. I'm looking more at statistics, but uh, I guess that's one way to still do the same thing. But how do you go about it?
2: Yeah, Um, I think it's just getting a balance. I mean, that's why I like the aces approach, right? Because theoretically, you get the two aces, and you're getting Everything, all four of the things. Um, you know, you're getting the good ratios at volume with a lot of strikeouts as well. And it makes it easier to build a rotation. But, you know, I think like the way that I'm thinking about it a little bit this year is doing something like that, like I've done in the past. And then you have these guys who like pretty consistently have relatively good ERAs and relatively good whips, you know. Um, with a chance maybe to get lucky. So like maybe it's a Marcus Stroman or somebody like that, right? Who I haven't even looked at Stroman. Like what did you do last year? Probably like, you know, three-ish ERA with a one, two whip. Is that right? Or am I totally wrong on, on Stroman? Like he's just one example, but there's a decent number of guys. What was he? Yeah, He was at a three, five ERA, one, one, five whip, you know, 119 strikeouts and 138 innings. Right. So totally reasonable, perfectly good. You know, he only won six games, but, um, you know, you can kind of fill in with goes like guys like that. Miles Mikolas is another good example, right? Where, you know, guys that have relatively good whips, they don't walk a lot of guys. They don't give up a bunch of homers. They've got a good defense behind them. They're on a pretty good team. And you just kind of can, can add some of those guys to your rosters and feel okay about it and not need some guy who comes out of nowhere to be you know, absolutely amazing. So I don't know. I think it's just a matter of, of kind of balancing it out and recognizing the strengths and weaknesses of the different approaches. You know, like I mentioned, if, if Max Fried is your one, you know, then maybe it's like a uh, Robbie Ray who doesn't have as good of a whip, but gets the K's. where, you know, he doesn't, um, where Freed maybe don't have, doesn't have the same as a guy you're drafting earlier that's throwing getting 220 or something like that, you know? So, just kind of like balancing that out and figuring it out. And I think depending on the type of league, like in a DC, you can't do this, but you know, then down the, as you approach the waiver wire, like you'll be able to see kind of strengths and weaknesses of your team, or at least have like a knowledge of that and and be able to attack it a little bit, but it's a lot harder to do that than it is with hitting where four of the stats are just like, you play the most played appearances and, you know, hope it works out for you. So I don't know if that's a good answer to that question, but I just think you got to be aware of the different skill sets that guys are bringing to the table, especially around ratios and K's, you know, and, and going from there.
1: Yeah. I've noticed I've tried to be more like, uh, innings and K's early. And as the draft goes on more, a uh, more aware of ratios and hopefully still innings in that regard. So the ratios count even more type theory, but, um, yeah, I, I try to like get a lot of the strikeouts and stuff early because, those heavier strikeout guys later, they don't have a lot of innings or the ratios will come with uh, a thump. So it gets a little, little rough later in the drafts is the way I look at it. Uh, last question we have here in the YouTube chat. Jimmy D asks, in the deepest of leagues, any interest in Connor Thomas of St. Louis or Seabold? he says, like, never mind Siebold Connor Thomas of St. Louis, who I honestly have never heard of. I'm not Connor a big prospect Thomas
2: guy. of the but, Cardinals. Triple uh, A guy. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I'll put him on the list for my Cardinals preview but I'll tell you that
2: much. I mean yeah. no. I mean, yeah. if it's the same Connor Thomas of the Cardinals, last year in AAA, he had a 547 ERA with a 157 whip. The year before he had a 310 ERA with a 1.36 whip. The year before, same the same whip. year, he I mean, the lowest whip he's had is a one one five back in low a um, AAA in strikeouts weren't even
1: triple a strikeouts weren't even impressive
2: yeah, yeah I don't really see I don't really see why there would be interest in him, although you know like prospect growth is not linear at all. Let's see where does he rank on the let's see what Eric Logan has to say about him um
1: He's not even in their top one hundred.
2: Maybe he's like a.
1: He was in the AFL. Maybe he's a real five guy. I don't know. I've never even Uh... heard of him.
2: Hmm. him Projections
1: have him throwing thirty innings with a three nine four ERA.
2: Yeah, he might be. uh... Let's see if he's listed here. He's not even uh, a depth depth starters. Thomas's small pitch ability lefty with four offerings that live off his command. There's some pitch metrics like his slider. That's all I got. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like he's Sorry. I in mean, in some of this stuff, you may be way ahead of us or at least yeah, I'm not me the biggest like, prospect guy in so like, like yeah. maybe there's something that changed for him in the Arizona fall league or something like that, you know? Um, but yeah. I, I'm not seeing anything of interest. But 100%. then again, you know, they we're the same guys that told you Tyro Estrada a couple years ago, had no yeah. potential whatsoever. So.
1: So what are you even listening to us
2: for? It's crazy. Absolutely I crazy Why? stuff. Why? <laughs> Why? We're like an hour and a half in and you're still listening to us. Oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> and on that note, we'll wrap up tonight. Just kidding. Episode. We love you guys. I'm no,
2: I know. I know. It's
1: all sarcasm and games at this point in the evening. Um, Yeah. That wraps up starting pitchers next week. We'll have relief pitchers. So, uh, Final thoughts on the uh, the starting pitching position.
2: Yeah, very different than previous years. Obviously, I think a lot of people have talked about that. A lot more depth up top, but I still think there's it's the usual conundrum where there's a lot of question marks with the pitchers, kind of in that like second to third tier. And so the question is how much reliance you put on them. Some of them will be really good and take that step up. Some of them will be really bad and take that step back. And just got to hope you hit the right one. I think it's still the same approach of attacking pitching early is is an effective one but maybe you don't have to attack it as early as you have in previous seasons
1: yeah that's that's the difference i think it's the um sense of urgency is not what it once was in the past unless you want the coals and the burns it's still in the second round instead of the first round it's different um you have more of a waiting game if you want to is what it, it is right now but you still have to navigate the minefields as you mentioned so it's gonna be interesting to see how it all pans out because right now it's fun drafting and thinking I can wait on pitching and do this and that. And you still gotta hit them. And that's that's the tough part. So we'll see how it pans out. Obviously, pitchers and catchers report in about a week. So that's gonna be fun. We'll start getting some real data to look at. We'll get some, some maybe some velocity readings and all that fun stuff to get jived up about. But more importantly, we'll be back with you guys to wrap up our positional previews with relief pitchers next week, which is always so much fun. You can find Toby on Twitter at batflipcrazy. I'm on Twitter at and Trick. This was Bubba the Bat Flip episode 146. Catch you guys next time.